And and digital twins have been you know mostly used in manufacturing, engineering, yeah. and and those sectors have really realized a ton of value of maintaining a uh, a digital representation of a process or a service or a physical object that's associated with um, a particular you know you know technology. And so now we have this technology at our fingertips where automation leaders can you know maintain a digital twin. Um, of their of their workflow, right? Of their entire business process, uh, not only across not just one line of business, but across their entire enterprise. Hello and welcome to season two of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, aka Mr. Automation. Hi, Bots and Thoughts community. I am super excited to share this episode with you today, not only because it's the first episode of season two, but also because of the special guest that we have for you. Greg Pollock is responsible for digital business automation software sales at IBM North America. And what stands out to me about Greg is how hands-on and closely he works alongside his automation customers who are some of the most strategic and market-moving digital business automation adopters on the planet. This qualifies Greg to speak on trends and where the puck is moving so that you and your teams can plan accordingly. Not only from a business use case slash problem-solving perspective, but the software side as well, and how these two are married together. My favorite part from the conversation was when he got into the cascading orders of value that business automation generates over time. It's not just the usual suspects of cost savings and operational excellence. So stay tuned to find out what they are and so much more with my friend, Mr. Greg Pollock. Welcome to Bots and Thoughts, everyone. This is our first episode of season two. We have an incredible special guest for you all to kick things off right. Welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Pollock, IBM's digital business automation sales leader for the Americas. Welcome, Greg. How are you? I'm wonderful, Jimmy. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, I've been watching uh, and listening to a lot of your podcasts in the uh, 2022. Um, happy for all your success and glad to be on. Well, thanks so much for being here. We've got a lot to cover. We want to talk about what you're seeing in the automation marketplace, recap on 2022, looking forward to 2023. You see a lot of clients on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis. You have your finger on the pulse of their goals, of their challenges, of the benefits of automation against those goals and challenges, trends, things like how the skill set is changing um, for companies adopting digital business automation. We have a lot of ground to cover. So let's jump right in. Why don't you expand upon what it means to be America's digital business automation sales leader? Sure. <clears throat> so um, my day-to-day -day operations is to lead the, uh, the Americas, which includes North America, Canada, Latin America, sales of our digital business automation technology. Um, that includes a whole litany of, of tasks um, 
that include mentoring young sellers, but also working with our customers, which is my favorite thing uh, to do in this job. And as you mentioned, um, I've got a chance to meet customers in all different industries and listen to what they have to say about what they're doing, what their challenges are. Um, I interact a lot with our product management team to understand mm. the direction and help lead the direction and give them the voice of the customer, um, which is really, really important, as you know, um, with um, bringing products to market and, and helping customers achieve success with automation um, is that two-way feedback with them. And so I, I try and prioritize that as a part of my role um, to, to bring that, you know, bring that uh, back to the business and, and understand how we can help them better. And frankly, you know, if sales is sales, right? Our job is to uh, uh, work with these clients and help them understand what our technologies can do and bring the best of IBM, right? What IBM is known for is solving complex problems and helping clients do that. And uh, that's a big part of what I, what I do every day. That's great. Yeah, a model of client centricity. You are, Greg. And we've we paid try. several visits to clients throughout the years in my time at, at Salient and at IBM. Um, different different cities, different industries, different customers. You really do have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Let's talk about goals. As you look back on the clients that you've supported in 2022, and you think about the clients that you will be supporting in 2023, what is the number one goal that comes to mind with regards to digital business automation, um, maybe number one or number two, what are some goals that you're well, seeing? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. It's it, every customer is going to have a different set of goals that, uh, that they prioritize, whether you're talking to a specific line of business or someone who's just kind of at a high level within the organization, but you know, just about every automation revolution, right. Has shared some very simple goals that all are very similar, right? The first is, you know, speeding up the uh, the ta the way we do tasks and, and to increase productivity, right? Get more done with the people that we do have or with less resources, right? As we know that, um, you know, budgets are tightening, uh, there's a looming recession potentially. So so that's a huge thing is, is really focusing on productivity. Um, the other piece is just improve the quality of the output. Right. As we've learned with RPA and a number of automation technologies, the ability to reduce the, the amount of mistakes or human error in a, in, in a business is certainly a critical uh, goal that our customers have. Um, and I think the, the other one, the last one, which I think is the, 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 the antithesis of what we do is to free up humans so they can focus on higher value work. Right. How do mm -hmm. we create um, a more customer centric, uh, customer centric point of view? Do you outsource um, certain uh, tasks to robots and, and so that you can have higher value work with customers, right? We see in the financial industry, how do we uh, eliminate a lot of the back office stuff so financial advisors can spend more time advising clients using the knowledge work that they have or in healthcare, right? You know, spending time with, with um, uh, healthcare systems to understand how they can make the, allow their, um, uh, you know, uh, clinicians and, and doctors to spend more time with the patients versus mm -hmm. filling prescriptions and filling out paperwork and all this other stuff. So, you know, every customer is different, but those three um, common goals are usually kind of the baseline for what we what we see in clients trying to achieve, improve operations and 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 get the knowledge workers doing more of what they do best. Yeah, totally agree. It, it 
it does seem like everyone wants to operate faster at higher quality and get more out of their highly valuable knowledge workers. Totally agree on those big three goals. Correct. Uh, the fun part for me is getting hands dirty with each and every uh, business um, to learn what their version, what their flavor of those three goals actually look like. Looks like whether it's the hospital that is short-staffed on nurses and doctors and wants to automate the back office stuff so that they can see you know seven people per day instead of five. Love getting into those types mm -hmm. of details or the wealth management company that is looking to onboard more customers at the existing staffing levels. You onboard three people uh, per person per day, why not four? Uh, yep. That's doing faster work at higher levels of quality and getting more out of your, your knowledge workers. Um, so for the listeners out there, you know, whatever your flavor of those three goals are, um, are, are super valid. And what we're going to get into here is, you know, hopefully some practical ways to, to achieve those goals. Um, before mm -hmm. we get into the benefits of automation and how we help achieve those goals, let's talk about some challenges. Um, so maybe the inverse of goals are challenges, um, or, or maybe not. Um, so Greg, as you think about what challenges does IBM digital business automation solve, um, what comes to mind and maybe even, you know, drop down a level, think about a specific example, if any come to mind, what are the big challenges? Yeah. Um, now there's so many, um, you know, especially when you think about the, the, the broadness of what, what can be automated in today's, in today's world. Right. Yeah. But I think the, the one that stands out to me the most in, at least in the last year is, is really the, the process of identifying the correct thing to automate, right. Yeah. Whether it's a process, whether it's um, a workflow, whatever it ends up being, you know, a lot of the challenges that our customers faced in the past that were, were very evident, the more we did, you know, consulted with them is, you know, they had these lofty automation goals and, you know, you know, with RPA, it was like, how many minutes out of the day did we save and so on and so forth. But a lot of times they chose process to automate based on some, you know, some emotional reaction, right? Like, I would love to eliminate some of these basic sales reporting duties out of my, my daily basis. But at, at the same time, is that really delivering ROI to IBM, right? What is that saving me? So ultimately, when customers are making those decisions on where to automate, now we have uh, more technology at our fingertips to allow us to not only identify the right processes, but do so in a data-driven approach. Um, that's one. Um, you know, another one is, you know, we've got, a, a growing complexity, uh, you know, most of the senior IT or, or operations leaders that I speak with on a regular basis like to talk about how many applications they have, right? Like the, the modern application estates have thousands of different applications in their portfolio, right? Whether that's mm -hmm. SaaS solutions or line of business apps that have been built, you know, it's a challenge for these senior leaders to really, you know, truly understand the complexity and kind of you know, have some visibility into how they can improve or, or, or reduce that estate or make things uh, more uh, more frictionless, right? Um, and that's a big one as well as as well as you know sometimes it's just having lack of budget to spend on automation, right? Companies are yeah, spending challenge. billions and billions of dollars globally 
Um, but many of these companies are still not executing at full capacity. Um, and a lot of that has to go back to that first challenge that I talked about, which is identifying the right process, right? You spend a bunch of money and you may not get the intended ROI, um, you know, but like it's, it's important to be investing. But I think some of the challenges are, you know, hey, we've got to solve this other thing and, you know, my budget's going there and automation, you know, isn't the, the, the forefront of the conversation. And, you know, last but not least, right, we talked about this with the, with the healthcare example, um, you know, there's this concept of uh, the talent shortage that's out there, right? Organizations mm -hmm. are really need to attract and retain their talent. And, and you know, employees want to work in an environment that empowers them and allows them to focus on more meaningful stuff, right? They want, they don't want to be doing mundane tasks. Yes. So, you know, folks like me are looking for companies that embrace automation, that um, make their lives easier. And um, and I think that's a trend that will continue, right? And, and I think uh, um, yeah, having the right skills as well as you know focusing on the employee experience is also going to you know translate into a better customer experience long tail. Mm -hmm. A lot of challenges, man. Where do you? Uh, there's no short. There's no short. Those are just start? the four that came to my mind, Jimmy. Right? I yeah. Mean, um, those yeah. are those are the key ones that we talk about that resonate really well with customers. Yeah. So to reflect on one or two of them that you mentioned, Greg, the, the, the enterprise customers you're working with, they are spending billions of dollars on stuff per year. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of one, one company we were working with. It's, um, they've got a SG&A or general and administrative expenses line item in their annual report around a billion dollars. That's, you know, everything... It, it's an operational expense line item in your annual report, right? And 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 that's a challenge. It's been growing 10% quarter after quarter. That's a lot. They're stacking on $100 million per year in incremental operational expenses. That's a challenge. They're spending a lot of money keeping their lights on, doing business. Um, the question is, of course, how can digital business automation play a part in curbing those growing expenses? How can we streamline your operations? How can we get more out of your people? So just to kind of reflect on, on that, that challenge. A hundred percent, Jimmy. Right. And like, and, and I, as someone who, you know, you and I have worked together a long time, I'm, I am a process junkie by, mm -hmm. by nature. Right. But, you know, we also have solutions that are in the content management and data capture space, which is also, you know, it's part of a process. And we see a mm -hmm. lot of companies invested in, um, getting rid of paper-based processes, investing in more of a modern content services estate, um, getting away from, you know, kind of the legacy tools. And, um, and you know, there's no shortage of, uh, you know, the insurance companies that we work with. We have a, a, a heavy uh, presence with those. And there's so much paper in the claims process. There's workflows mm -hmm. to execute. There's, there's like keeping those records in for a certain amount of time. Um, and solving some of those challenges that related to content management and data capture um, are certainly uh, a big part of what we do as well. Yeah, it, it's crazy. One of our first episodes from season one was the history of hyper automation. One of them talks about the digital back office mm -hmm. came up in the mid to late 1980s. And here we are, what, 20 Five years later, no, hundred percent. I mean, the and printing we still press, don't have every innovation, office. right? Everything innovation was 
that that in automation is like I said before, right? It's to improve productivity, to speed up your common tasks, right? To be able to do things. We've been constantly striving to do these different things, the dishwasher and the washing machines. The, the, now we're at a point where we're focused on technological business, line of business applications, right? On how to make them more efficient, how to you know make them more customer centric. And you know, a, a great example of a company that, that had a challenge most recently is our friends over at Southwest Airlines. Like mm. they, you know, they yeah. ended up having, um, and their senior vice president came out and said, "Look, we really need to address the need for automation and how to handle our crew reassignments. Um, we messed up, you know, and, and, you know, automation is pervasive. Customers, you know, experience these challenges every day. It's only a handful that end up on the front page of the New York Times, right? Um, there, every small business, medium business is experiencing similar things to Southwest, just at a smaller scale. So, you know, with that's where we're focused is not just in the big enterprise, but to bring our point of view on automation to every business, large and small, because, you know, these challenges exist, um, you know, in some cases in, in greater scale at the smaller businesses, because they don't have the budget to spend on automation. Um, and, and that's where the challenge is. How can we give them something of substance and solve a problem at a, at, you know, without breaking their bank? And, you know, obviously... Um, that's, that's one of, you know, salient sweet spots is being able to help customers grow their automation practice with the expertise that you guys bring to market, um, with the technology and, and that, that IBM brings, to, brings to you. So, um, you know, this is my favorite part, solving challenges, right? Getting underneath the challenges that customers have, and then trying to figure out how to, how to improve their, their daily operations. Yeah. Yeah. That appreciate that shout out and speaking no, of you're welcome. our, it's, um, it's true. Yeah, speaking of our kind of customer journey, it does start with process discovery. Combination of process mining, process mapping, business architecture. You have to x-ray your business before you know where to operate. Um, there's a lot of areas to operate within, so prioritize those opportunities. Develop a business case for them. Pitch them to your leadership get them implemented, get those quick wins, immediate impacts racked up. And you start to really roll down this path of virtuous self-funding um, business automation. And that's, that's where we're at with, with most, if not all of our clients. Um, it's, it's so fun sitting in on process mapping workshops, reviewing the results of a process mining sprint, seeing, hey, did you know that you're actually doing this eight times out of 10 on, on your warranty review slash approved process? No, no one knew that that's what was going on, but process discovery highlighted that. And, and did you know that you know, making this change here could impact your, your business by X, Y, and Z? That that is such a rewarding part of what we do, Greg, identifying opportunities, getting, you know, those opportunities solved. Um, yeah, a lot of challenges to overcome. So let's talk about benefits. You represent the IBM digital business automation platform. There's a lot of capabilities inside what you represent, what we represent. Um, so maybe take this two ways at a high level, you know, what are the benefits? of IBM's digital business automation platform. 
um, slash automation in general. But maybe on a, on a more nuanced level as well, if you could, Greg, um, because we have, we have some, some pretty experienced people out there listening. Um, so rather than, you know, the five capabilities of hyper automation, if you could maybe give us a peek into the incremental, you know, on the margins, what's new within these capabilities, um, things to look forward to um, in 2023, what are some high level and low level benefits? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice little segue. I appreciate that. Um, look, at, at the end of the day, you know, the, the benefits to intelligent automation have, have, have really been um, uh, growing as the, as the technology matures, right? The, the, the simple explanation is, you know, you've got um, now the ability to process extremely high volumes of unstructured and structured data, leveraging RPA bots and, and, you know, really, you know, over the last two or three years, companies, IBM and as well have invested in this technology to really um, amp up their ability to you know, drive out some of the, all the mundane manual stuff out of their swivel chair out of their business. Right. And what, what, what that's done is, is, you know, number one, it's increased worker productivity. Um, you know, folks don't like, like, I'll t- talk about an example of, of what, what we do at IBM. Like we, we use RPA in our quoting system. So when customers, uh, when, when sale, salespeople at IBM submit a bid for a pricing approval, you know, there's an RPA bot that's fulfilling all the back end. So when the pricer shows up to look at the bid, they've got all the documents they need to see whether or not they should approve or unapprove this bid. Um, and that took a lot of effort for them to go, you know, look around um, and find it. And as a salesperson and, and as you as a partner in the channel, understand, you know, how quickly you can get out a bid to a customer can mean the difference between, you know, winning or losing an opportunity. Um, and so and that we goes spent... for all of our product centric, um, you know, listeners out there. If Correct. you have a, a product that you go to market with that requires pricing approvals on demand in real time, or this speaks to you as well. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and there's the, we, we use some capability of our operational decision manager for the easy kind of structured workflows, but those that need, you know, human intervention, at least we've made their job uh, easier. Right. And so that goes to like in increasing and enhancing your um, operational efficiency. Yeah. How quickly can you get things done, which then leads to reducing costs. Right. And then frankly, it goes to the, 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 one of the main um, goals that I, talked about at the beginning is moving employees to higher value, more strategic work uh, yeah. down the line, right? So ultimately, you know, as companies invest in automation, they're going to get these these immediate benefits. And as we evolve this, this, this market or this uh, domain, you know, as we start to include more AI machine learning technologies, which is kind of the, what, what we're looking at in 2023 uh, to, to make uh, intelligent automation uh, more viable at, in the mainstream. Um, that is going to, you know, again, continue to augment how these, you know, these day-to-day knowledge workers or, um, you know, strategic uh, uh, employees uh, more productive, uh, more efficient, and just drive out operational costs out of the business. And, you know, whether you're looking to trim your workforce or you're looking to, again, move some of these folks into roles and in, in, in jobs that, 
allow company allow you to be you know more customer centric whatever your kpis there are that you are trying to to map to um you know those are the key benefits that our automation technologies whether it's you know rpa or process mining to really understand which processes to automate or uh you know workflow for both case and and uh straight through processing type use cases it, it, there's just so much um ability for us to do that but first it's really about understanding what's the benefit to your business am i talking to a finance department are they trying to uh pay more invoices faster or sooner trying to improve the bottlenecks or are you talking to a uh a front of the house or an insurance company who wants to improve the efficiency of their claims approval process whatever it may be um whether it's efficiency costs there's you know there's a there's an roi for everyone out there yeah just a like the challenges, just a ton of benefits. Um, mm -hmm. Really common entry point to your point is, is operational cost reduction, um, getting more out of your dollars and time spent as a business. Yep. But, but with that as a North Star, anyone who has implemented an automation solution sees a cascading of additional benefits of second, third, fourth, and fifth order benefits that happen. Yes, you're saving on operational costs and time, but what about the person who's benefiting from that? What about the pricer out there who has to send five emails, make six phone calls to get the complete picture of your customer before they approve this discount? They no longer have to do that because of digital business automation. That's a second order benefit to saving on cost is that person's day just got easier. Correct. And then because yeah. that person's day just got easier, they can process that much more approvals and you have less clients waiting. And there's the third order, exactly. client experience. We drink our own champagne as well. It's salient. I and my work and my colleagues work is supported by digital business automation every day. We bring in a, a couple clients a week and we have projects to kick off. And when I log in to the morning, I have my email inbox that could tell me what to do, or I have my workflow app that tells me what I should do. I should set up this kickoff meeting, this internal kickoff meeting, get the delivery team on board with what the client's looking to do. Uh, two weeks into mm -hmm. the project, I get a workflow reminder that says schedule a check-in meeting to ensure that this project is headed in the right direction. This is taking the guesswork out of what I need to do for my work. And that's just, you know, workflow at its finest. So that's the benefit. There's so many benefits that cascade from, you know, the usual suspects that you really just have to try it to experience it for yourself. Um, all these different orders of benefits that, that happen. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful Agreed. thing once you get started. Agreed. And it's fun too. It's fun. Uh, for guys like us, I, I don't know if my wife would agree with that, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, she's got her own workflows and she manages them her way. And, and you know, whether it's technological or not, um, you know, I think we could all benefit from some automation, even in our daily lives. She is in realty, right? So Correct. there Correct. is probably a, a workflow somewhere in there. For getting a house listed, getting it advertised, no you know, doubt getting about people it. there, drafting the contracts, getting them, you know, sent and signed. I'm sure we can, we can, we, make can, we can help her company with that. Yeah. No doubt about it. For sure. Um, okay. Let's talk about trends. 
Um, what are some of your favorite trends from last year? Uh, what are you looking forward to this year? What should we be uh, looking out for? So as far as the, the biggest trend that really kind of sparked my interest and I spent a lot of time with this is, you know, the, the use of digital twins in automation. Okay. Mm. So, you know, one thing that um, when we acquired our process mining company, uh, Mike Lim, who you've had on the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, actually called me and said, look, can you come back to, to business automation and help, you know, lead this acquisition in North America? And when I did some background on the tool, I was just, you know, obviously blown away by the potential of, of some of the challenges that it could help solve in our customers. And, and, and digital twins have been, you know, mostly used in manufacturing, engineering, yeah. and, and those sectors have really realized a ton of value of maintaining a, uh, a digital representation of a process or a service or a physical object that's associated with um, a particular, you know, you know, technology. And so now we have this technology at our fingertips where automation leaders can, you know, maintain a digital twin um, of their of their workflow, right, of their entire business process, uh, not only across not just one line of business, but across their entire enterprise. And you know the potential of what that can deliver from an automation perspective long term um, has incredible benefits, right? It can dramatically improve uh, and accelerate the you know continuous improvement cycle for operational excellence, right? So you know as someone who really you know, come out of the process domain, this is really like, um, it reminds me of uh, like DevOps, right? With software delivery. I remember when wow. I was working, one of my first jobs at IBM, I was selling DevOps technology to the government, right? So selling technology that um, improves manual processes and legacy uh, ways of thinking into agencies like the Department of Veterans Affairs was obviously met with resistance, um, unsurety, and this was 10 years ago, um, even still, um, you know, there was a lot of hesitancy to move away from the waterfall development cycles and go agile and think about continuous delivery. And, and we're kind of at that inflection point within automation where, um, you know, I, you know, affectionately call it something like biz ops, right? Where, biz ops. you know, trending. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try hashtag. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but it, you know, like the, the concept of continuously delivering automations and then using this digital twin to see, okay, if I made this change, if I implemented a specific, call it an RPA bot or, uh, or an improved uh, like workflow within my ERP or whatever system it is we're trying to impact, then I can see, okay, what was the net benefit result? And then, you know, with kind of a real time and say, oh, it worked or it didn't work. And if it did work, what was the ROI and what, what is the next project that I want to tackle? And so having these digital twins has been, you know, a huge boon for, for customers uh, that I've worked with. And there's, we're, it's really, you know, if you ask Forrester, um, they would say, and I, I, I know that what they're saying, because I talked to their, their, uh, one of their analysts a few months ago, it's really in the experimental phase as far as customer implementation is concerned. Yeah, it's pretty and advanced I think, topic. And I, I think that's true at scale because, um, you know, some of the large enterprises have made the investment or are, are, are using it, but at scale, there's still a lot to be d discovered, right? The execution capacity for these companies, once they implement this technology is, is really eye opening for them. Um, and it does require collaboration, right? If I go back to my DevOps example, there's no, 
<laughs> you need change management within an organization, right? It's, it's, you've got to have people who own the data involved in the process. You've got to mm -hmm. have people who understand the business uh, that you're trying to impact, whether it's finance or, or customer centric or on HR onboarding. Like you have to have the, all the stakeholders at the table. A lot of times customers forget the data is almost the most important person to have at the table because it's a data-driven analytics or, you know, a lot of folks in the IBM world on the IT and, and uh, uh, AI ops observability side, I kind of call this process observability, just like a network mm -hmm. observability or uh, application performance management, right? This is process performance management, you know? Yeah. And so this trend, you know, I think is going to, to continue to impact the way um, uh, companies identify the right processes, um, you know, in addition to that, how do we, you know, how do we, you know, make this the new automation fabric and, and leverage more machine learning and AI technologies within it, right. To continue that trend. And I think another, another trend that I'm seeing that we have a lot of conversations around is, is one, you know, wider adoption and requirements around low code. Um, I don't love the term citizen developers, but really empowering more business users, yeah. um, to be involved in the process. And in 2022, it really was a year where we saw a number of RPA competitive transitions, um, you know, whether it was to reduce costs or leverage better features or enable better scalability. We saw there was kind of this little trend of, um, you know, folks were moving between vendors and exploring different technologies because that space has evolved quite a bit since 2018. And IBM is now our player in that space. And, um, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to help our customers in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great trends. The, um, both on the RPA side and the process mining side, the, they both have so many layers of richness to them. I think the process mining or, or digital twin trend is an advanced topic that only those who are maybe halfway or more, uh, along their, their, hyper automation journey, if you will, are, are starting to experience. Uh, but it can also be a, a thing for people who are just getting started on their hyper automation, digital Absolutely. business automation journey too. And the difference between those two layers or, or, or types um, or, or entry points, if you will, either at the beginning or halfway through is kind of interesting. You could use 100%. process mining to identify the first bit of automation you should you could do or once you have a handful of automations in place you could use process mining with the emitters to continuously uh, track the performance yeah. of your processes uh, with your uh, kpis and yeah i i think you're exactly right it's you know uh, you guys have been in the business of 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 helping customers map their processes for as long as I've known you guys, which is seven, eight years now since I was in the federal team. And, and we've done that via BlueWorks Live, right? BlueWorks Live is a fantastic, I think it's probably industry leading process yeah. mapping tool. And, you know, we'll, we'll still, even to this day, have cust customers, we, we, we present process mining and they're like, wow, that's, that's a lot to take on. I'm really just interested in mapping it from a human centric point of view of how these op process work operationally. And I, we still work with customers every day on BlueWorks Live and how they map their processes because 
frankly, so, to some process mining is an advanced version of that. It's a data-driven analytics versus, hey, I just want to get in a room and talk about how how we do this specific thing. Um, and so there's no there's no reason why they shouldn't start there. But I do think that even if you're not using process mining as a automation accelerator or using it as a, a way to find opportunities for automation, I think a digital having a digital twin even in and of itself without even taking action on anything that you learn has has value just at a baseline. Yeah, so, 100%. So we're trying to help customers understand that because it does seem intimidating. Oh, it's data-driven. Oh, now I'm talking to a data team and what there's info security and all this other stuff uh, where traditionally it would be like, let me just model this and so that I can show the auditors when they show up, this is how we talk to our customers about a specific um, investment product. Um, but whatever it is, uh, I, I think there's a huge need for this. And while... Forrester saying ex experimental, I think folks should be really diving into the pool head first um, and learning what this can do for their business. Um, because I'd say 90 to 95% of the customers who we have implemented this and worked with have realized significant benefits. Um, and that's just getting started, right? That now there's a huge yeah. pipeline of opportunity because of what they've discovered. It's like, you know, the first time you, you know, you were afraid of trying a specific food and once you ate it, you said, Oh my God, give me 35 of these. I want more. Um, that's kind of how it was with RPA. And that's kind of how it's coming with process mining in 23. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, get yourself a digital twin. <laughs> yes. Get yourself yes. a digital twin. You're, you're charged with improving your process. Yeah. One of the best ways to start is having a platform like process mining ingest some log data. That's all it is. And it spits out a digital twin of your process. There's some nuances in the margin, you know, that we can talk about, but get your log data, pop it into process mining and get yourself a digital twin. It's a great place to start your year off. And don't start um, too big. Start small, find a, find a specific transactional system you want to analyze. Don't, don't try and bite off more than you can chew. Uh, that's where projects fail. If you, if you try and say, hey, I'm going to redo my whole accounts payable, great. It's a great idea, but start and work Talk about in an intake first. Yeah. Talk about yeah. your first line of reviews. Yeah, exactly. start small. And that's a nice uh, fresh coat of paint, Greg, to put on the uh, kind of industry, uh, what do you call it? There's data out there that says something like 50, 60, 80% of automation projects fail. That is incongruent with what we're seeing with our projects. And I think it's incongruent with what's happening now in 2023. Yeah, the I lesson think, learned. I think, I think it's fail to scale. I wouldn't, I want to give my automation practitioners out there more credit than, than, than they maybe deserve. I think they either fail to scale or they fail to meet the objectives that you set out to start with because everyone's trying automation. I think that number is good. I think 70 is probably the right number of, they just don't achieve what they anticipated, right? Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, I agree. Um, yeah, why they failed. I think they just started in the wrong place. Like you said earlier, they started from an emotional perspective. This process is broken. There's a lot of smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's throw a bunch of automation at it. And, oh, wait, my life is easier, but where's the ROI? Versus get yourself a digital twin, use more of a scientific data-backed approach, 
as the thesis behind your first bot or your first workflow, your first automation, your project's going to fail um, at a much lower percent rate. Your project's going to succeed at a much higher clip if you're basing your automation project off of your digital twin, off of your own data. Um, so let's put a fresh coat of paint on that percent of automation projects that fail. Right. I think that number is right. moving, moving yeah. down. And, and that's evidenced by our clients who start with one bot and then they commission six more and then they commission 30 more. They start with one workflow app and they go two, five, ten. If we start small, if, if you use a proven method, um, then you're going to have that much higher of a, of a success rate. Um, let's, let's transition. Last topic is, um, skills. So 2023 new year, new skills. What is, what are the most common or important maybe skills that a, you know, enterprise or, or even small mid-sized business needs to nail digital business automation in 2023? So that's a tough question, but I, I will, I will answer it kind of with, with theoretically, you know, look, there's been a need for, for shifting of skills that accompany any kind of transition or introduction of new technology into the workplace. You know, again, since, since, since machines, since computers, since, you know, all the, all this adoption of automation uh, has come along, there's a need for new skills, right? Now we've got AI coming um, in a more meaningful way. That's going to mark an acceleration of the shift of skills. You know, the need for some skills such as, you know, both technological, whether emotional, right? Like these, these things are going to always be evolving. So workers everywhere are going to have to deepen their existing skill sets in, in understanding that, you know, <laughs> how to work with the bots, right? I think one of the scariest things that when we meet with customers, uh, less so now, but more so like a few years ago, they thought like the bots were going to take over and they're going to lose their job. But companies need to just rethink how they're organized, how work is organized, right? What they're, mm -hmm. uh, what the high value stuff they're going to focus on as, as the auto automation and AI technologies start to, you know, transform the way we work. Um, we're going to be interacting with increasingly smarter machines, you know, and that these technologies, um, this human, this kind of human in the loop, I think is the, the terminology they use, the human machine interaction mm -hmm. is going to be a lot more meaningful. It's going to bring a number of really great benefits, um, to, to our business. And, you know, like at the enterprise level, we talk about like straight through workflows, improving claims management, all these kind of, you know, big enterprise plumbing, but more, more, uh, uh more focused is, you know, improved corporate performance, customer experience, um, improved ex employee experience, right? And and that's going to change the way that skills of human workers are going to evolve. They're going to be more, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, higher value skills that they're going to need to learn versus, you know, the mundane day-to-day -day operations, right? And they're going to be needed to mm. be a lot more, you know, focused on the higher value and, uh, and, and, and part of that process. So, um, I would expect that to continue the AI breakthroughs and the ML stuff that we're going through. You see the, the chat GPT and some of the things that are happening out there and the things that are just keep coming. Um, it's going to be, you know, more touchless interactions, more real-time personalization. How do we do that? We do that through, you know, automation technology and we drive more of a customer driven process design. 
you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I just think as the technologies evolve, the skills that go along with it are going to, you're just going to have to be more comfortable, um, with automation being a part of your daily life. Yeah, that's great. Um, I especially love the, uh, skill around their own discipline, their own domain, what it is that they do kind of regardless of it's not a digital business automation technique per se, but they're going to need to upskill themselves on what they do for their business. Um, because with automation, they will have that much more time to, to do that higher value task. Correct. One other skill I, I notice is the digital. No, it's the process analyst. Yeah. The business analyst, mm -hmm. the business process analyst. Mm -hmm. I looked at indeed last year, indeed.com and saw somewhere 50, 80 job openings, uh, open requisitions for the, the pro the business process analyst. And I was just on indeed last night and there's over 600 open job requisitions for the business process analyst. What about that skill? What does that speak to for 2023? Well, that's a great point, right? I mean, I think for their skills are going to have to be a lot more aligned to uh, data-driven process analysis versus, you know, uh, you know what a lot of these process analysts had historically um, were the ones who were leading, um, you know, collaborative sessions with the line of business and mapping these processes and maintaining those processes. But I think the analysis evolves into something that's more continuous. Uh, it's more, you know, data-driven. And I think their skills are going to have to shift from being um, more, uh, you know, administrative to more um, uh, predictive and, and consultative yeah. in a way that um, uh, maybe they haven't been as so. And, and I think it's just going to make their 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 lives easier because they're going to have to spend less time collecting data and more time analyzing performance and you know, finding ways to be more prosperous or more efficient with the business that they support. Yeah. So for those 650 business process analysts that get hired in the next few weeks and months, get yourself a digital twin. It's a great place there to start go. the year. There you go. Uh, I like that backed. theme. Yeah. yeah. Get yourself a digital, get yourself a digital twin. Um, I could right, use Greg. a digital twin of myself, honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, as we move into the year. But, you know, again, there's, there's, there's skills that G Jimmy, you and I have that will never replace by a bot. And that I'm thankful for every day. More so you than me, but ah. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Speaking of skills, go put those skills to work. Uh, your customers need you. Thanks again for the time. And um, yeah, we'll no, be in it's touch. My, it's my pleasure, Jimmy. I, I, um, I'm excited to be on the podcast and, and uh, excited to, to see you guys continue to do this in, in 23. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a great piece of work. I mean, in today's day, the podcast is like having a website, right? Um, and, and more importantly, though, I think my favorite part of your podcast has been um, a lot of the customers you brought on and their stories of how they're leveraging technology. That's those are the ones that uh, I listen to more closely. No offense to my fellow IBMers that may have joined the podcast, um, but I really do. I think there's I think there's a lot of value in, in, in that. And, uh, and congrats to you guys for for having a, 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 a roster of customers that are willing to come and, and talk about their success with you guys. Congrats. Thanks, GP. Yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up this year on season two of Bots and Thoughts. This is our first episode. Uh, speaking of those customers, we may have some coming back for a from then to now episode. Uh, what has transpired in the last year? 
Um, we've got some giveaways coming up, so stay tuned for uh, an exciting season two of Bots and Thoughts. Thanks again, Greg Pollock with IBM Digital Business Automation. You're welcome, Jimmy. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Don't forget to connect and interact with us. You can find us on Bots and Thoughts' own LinkedIn page. And we're constantly running feedback surveys and ask that if you've made it this far in the episode, show us some love by responding to a survey and following us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a special guest on the show, we have a nomination form also down in the description for you to fill out. And with that, see you next episode and happy automating.